Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. My name is Tim. I am your host, and I am joined today by Dad, aka Steve, founder of Impact Nations. And you just got back from Bulgaria and India. Yes, I did. And you're here for one day, and then you're gone again. So I thought we better catch you real quick and All right. find out about how it went. So tell us about Bulgaria. What were you doing? Oh, a little of this, a little of that. Um, Both. Yeah, wow, that's a jam-packed trip. It was really full. <laughs> I was leading a journey of compassion along with Christina, a.k.a. your mother, mm. and um, we had a team from three nations. We um, we were working once again with the uh, Roma people, yeah. who we call the gypsies, but it's not a term that they like very much. Yeah. Um, it was my fifth time to Bulgaria, actually, wow. in less than two years. Wow. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. Uh, our team was... Uh, as I knew they would be, they were shocked with every Roma community. We would be in nice middle-class towns in Bulgaria, paved streets, sidewalks, uh, post office, schools, stores. And we would come to the end of the road and the pavement would stop. It was like falling off a table. And it was just dirt, uh, no running water, the only electricity, they, they hot wire themselves, which is always That's scary. Super safe. You yeah. really want some good rubber gloves for yeah. that. <laughs> and uh, it's shocking. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we were there, and we were in a number of villages, and we had uh, we had an excellent time. Um, I think I I think I had Isaiah who was with us his first journey. He was great. Um, I think I had him record. Uh, my own personal highlight because I was busy a lot of the time meeting with with some local leaders and people you know I'm not that much in the clinics because of these other meetings but on the last day I got to go in uh, in the afternoon walk through a village and I had uh, Yvonne a new friend well from last year but a wonderful translator and we came around a bend and there were about 25 people sitting on a low wall and uh and I said, what are you guys doing? And they said, we're waiting for a band to pick us up, take us to Greece, because it's uh, we've got a job for a month picking olives. <laughs> and uh, without going into the whole thing, although it wasn't that long of an exchange, I said, hey, can I pray a blessing over you? And they said, sure. And then I said, before I do, let me tell you what a blessing is. It's not just nice words. A blessing is really calling for the reality of heaven to come and touch your lives right now. And... Uh, you know, I probably said more than that, but, and then I said, would you like me to pray blessing? Yes. And then I said, let me tell you a little bit about this Jesus who blesses. And I talked to them about Jesus. I talked to them about um, how he, he comes and he lives his life in us and through us. And uh, I didn't realize that about another 10 or 12 people had gathered behind me. Mm-hmm. So then I said, do you want to just acknowledge him now and just, just ask him to live his life in you from now on. A hundred percent of the people, the ones from behind me came around the front. So in just a few minutes, I saw, I don't know, 35, 37 people come to Christ and they were just grinning and smiling and laughing. And then the van came and they went to Greece. <laughs> and then they went to Greece. So that was a highlight, as you know, just part of the way God's wired me when I get a chance to introduce people to the reality of Christ. 
um, it's part of my wiring. So yeah. I was I was in really happy shape. What do you think happens to those guys now? I mean, they take off to Greece. Yeah. And so, I mean, normally we're, you know, we get people plugged into a house church or into a local church and get them discipled. They are off to, and I was thinking about this actually uh, when I was reading in Acts when Philip meets the Ethiopian on the road and then and then Philip's just gone, yeah. which is a pretty cool party trick, by the way. Yeah. But he, he gets whisked away to a whole other town and the Ethiopian is super jazzed, has just said, hey, why can't I get baptized too? Like, let's just get this thing done. Yep. But then the one guy who'd be the prime candidate to disciple him is just gone. So isn't that interesting? I think this is all about our incredible faith and trust and dependence on the Holy Spirit. Mm that I don't think Philip would have gone feeling guilty yeah. or worried. He'd say, well, Lord, thanks. You're going to bring the next person along. Yeah. Now, having said that, I have a picture of all of them. Yeah. And I um, I never know whether to look at the camera or look at, at you. I, I could look at the camera. <laughs> I could look down. Um, just no pounding the table and we're good. We took a no pound pledge. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I mean it this time. <laughs> Uh, but I did go to the two pastors who have been their whole lives in that village, pouring out their lives. Yeah. Uh, the guy's about 40, 45. Okay, he was born him. on that street, and he wow. never left it. Anyway, he said, I know every single person here, yeah. and I know when they're coming back in four weeks, mm -hmm. and we will follow up with every one of them. So that was great. Yeah. But sometimes we have to just trust the Lord. Um because it isn't always as neat and tidy as we like. Yeah. Can I tell you one more story? I will allow it. I was on a good time that afternoon, and then uh, maybe about, I don't know what, an hour later I went back out into the village, and a woman in her 30s saw me, and uh, again, Yvonne, and, uh, which we would say Ivan, mm -hmm. called us over, said, please come pray for my, son, uh, my husband. Uh, he had brain surgery. It did not go well. And uh, please come. So I went, and uh, yeah, he had a tumor removed last October, mm -hmm. and they told him that he probably wouldn't see May, and so here we were in September. But you could see a large scar, and he had three things that permanent damage from the operation. One, his vision, this is so weird, he lost all his peripheral vision, and he just had a narrow tunnel, hmm. like looking down a, you know, a toilet paper roll or something. Um, and he lost all his strength in his right side. So we prayed for him, uh, as usual, short prayer. You know? and, um, and when he opened his eyes, he just started talking to her in Bulgarian. Because instantly he had full range, hmm. all his peripheral vision. And then he starts moving his arm, and then he's swinging his arm over his head. His two boys are watching. They were 8 and 10, as I recall. He said, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. And then he jumps off the side of the bed, and he starts doing really deep, uh, deep knee bends, squats, which I personally can't do. Yeah. And he was completely, completely healed. Huh. And, um, and then he was out in the village later just telling people what Jesus did. So that, that's a nice afternoon for me. That's I like that. a good afternoon. Yeah, it yeah. is. At <laughs> uh, the same time, that afternoon, uh, Sue Walker, who you know heads up our uh, intercessional of yeah. the world. Hoping she's going to be a guest on the podcast next week. She had two episodes to get her to tell you so she gets the details just right. But, but she had a, a paralyzed woman first, I think, and then a paralyzed man, two separate parts of the village. And uh, both of them got up and walked and walked as well as you or I do. 
So that was good. So that was the journey. And then when the team left, um, which was a week ago Friday. By the way, I just got in yesterday morning from India, yeah. so if I'm a little out of focus, you'll know why. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had a terrific series of meetings with with some of them youngish, you know, in their 20s, and some of them in their 40s, and um, one in his 50s, of people that are just hungry. There's like this move afoot. Nobody's got a name for it but just hungry for more of Christ and in him and not so much the structure. So we had several meetings and um, I'll go out on a limb. We hope it's going to happen. It looks good. Uh, Randy Matthews, who you know is my spiritual son and our partner. Being a guest on this show. Yep. Uh, did you know a new book written by somebody referenced him as the Young Cho of India? That's amazing. He's, a, he's soon going to be at a million people. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it looks like late October he's going to go. Uh, we were trying to get him there, as you'll recall, in the spring. And we couldn't do it. And I remember you and I driving at one point, and one of us saying to the other, we're going to figure out why we couldn't get him in later on. Well, here's why. Had he come in, it would have been a small group of people I was working with around the city of Plovdiv. Yeah. But this, what happened on this trip, people were coming from the other side of the nation, yeah. from the Black Sea, from uh, over by the Greek border, etc. I think we now have the beginning of a network, and I told Randy, because I was just with him, that he's going to be going probably four different cities around Bulgaria and equipping them and showing them how to get house churches started because, as you know, uh, Randy can go from meeting the House of Peace and in a day, there's a house church. Yeah. It's it's mind-boggling. Um, so uh, I'm very excited. I think that there's a real potential for um, a house church movement in a country that is desperately in need. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the established church is is uh, I I want to be as positive as I can is entrenched in traditions that are very, very rigid and make it very hard for, example, the Roma people to be included. Yeah. And uh, I, I got to go to uh, Ternovo uh, last week after everybody left. Uh, Christina and I went up there and I've got pictures. It's this incredible fortress city, it used to be the capital long ago. And there's a wall that goes on forever, and this big bridge with the big gates that's medieval. It's, you know, it's a medieval town, and we went in there, and it was terrific, amazing city. I love the history, uh, but we have people in Ternovo who have been waiting. Uh, Ternovo. It's Tornovo, not Tornovo, because that sounds a bit like Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> and they're really different places. Um but the Ottomans eventually got in. They didn't breach the walls, but there was a some sort of a conspiracy or something, and they got in, and 500 years, the Turks were there, the Ottoman Empire. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one of the cities, and as I said, Varna on the Black Sea, and there's two others. So I'm very, very encouraged. It was a very, very worthwhile trip. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of... Pentecost, where you know they're they're up in the room praying 
for the Holy Spirit, presumably. I mean, Jesus has has ascended and yeah. said, I promise I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so yeah. they go back and there's, they're praying in the upper room and as many as 120 of them at the point where the Holy Spirit shows up. But, uh, you know, they were praying for several days. There's a gap of time between when Jesus went and when the Holy Spirit came. Yeah, probably about 10 days. 10 days, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we know that just because the distance of time between... Yeah. Uh, the Passover and Pentecost. Um, but that time of waiting and praying and probably, I mean, 10 days is a long prayer meeting. And at points you got to wonder like, when's this going to happen? Like what, where is this promised helper that you said would come? And yet God's timing is perfect because yeah. of course, then when the Holy Spirit comes in power, you learn that it was, it was Pentecost. And suddenly now the, the city is filled with people from all over the place and from all over the known world. And so now suddenly the gospel is going to reach corners of, of the world that it otherwise wouldn't. If, if the Holy Spirit had shown up on day one, you don't have a city the, full of tourists. Yeah. Right? And it would have so, just been Jerusalem. Yeah, exactly. Very good. And so, you know, in the same way, we've, in this very room, sat and prayed, Lord, please send Randeep now. And it's, you know, the Lord always, I, I once heard it said, the Lord always answers the prayers that you would have prayed if you'd known what he knows. And <laughs> I love very that. Very good. That's uh, great. <laughs> but, you know, we prayed fervently for, for Randeep to go in that yeah. time. And yet the Lord was saying, no, wait, I'm drawing a remnant of people from around the nation that are going to come at just the right time. Yeah. And there will be a catalyst from there where this movement can spread to, to many more places. Yeah, and it's going to be city. great because what we're going to do is we're going to be in Toronto because it's geographically the central place. Nobody has to drive more than three and a half hours. Yeah. And he's going to do three days with this gathering of people that are really hungry. Yeah. Uh, we don't expect, we don't really want a big gathering, maybe 50. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to go and spend adequate time around the nation showing them, not just teaching them about it, but saying, watch this. We're going we're yeah. to get a house church going. Yeah. So that's a great point. That's very good. I, uh, I think the, the analogy is excellent. So I went from there to India, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Christina will be there for another, I don't know, eight days yet. She's doing a lot of work with, a new, with some new plants, some real different kinds of plants for rescuing women. And uh, she's doing a, some kind of a one-day event tomorrow. But um, besides having terrific connection because everything we do is is got to be relational yeah. and it's so easy to say that but you've got to put your money where your mouth is you yeah. know you got to put your calendar where your mouth is yeah. so we had we had a wonderful wonderful time together um i uh and i wanted to let people know uh, something we did not know about the brick kids for anybody who's not used to this or hasn't heard about this we work with Randeep and his team, and uh, uh, we raised funds. So many people from all over the world gave, so that we were able to get 862 kids out of slavery in brick factories. I didn't know it was five different factories. And um, uh, in school, and he said to me, the most important thing of all is they're now getting a healthy meal every day. He, and he brought it up twice. He says they're not having to eat brick dust to fill their stomachs Which is anymore. what they were doing. When we Which is what yeah. they were doing. But this is what I didn't know. He said we as a whole team are passionate 
about this project with the kids. And he has teams meeting the kids back near the factory where they live every day, five days a week for uh, one to two hours teaching them um, remedial because these kids have never been in a school in their life. They never sat still. They never moved. And they've got uh, in five different locations every day, they have five teams that are pouring into these kids every single day and praying with them. And it, it, the factory owner, the original factory owner who uh, we've shared a number of times about this, who, who, yeah, I don't want to say was reluctant, but he was skeptical about this, mm-hmm. has now become such a big booster of this that he's telling other factories. And uh, we're getting ready because in the new year, uh, there's a thousand kids waiting. Um, so it's pretty amazing. So I just find that absolutely phenomenal yeah. that five teams would go in to the edge of these factories and work with those kids every single day. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. And, and you think about the before and after, just to paint a picture. I mean, these were kids. We saw footage, and it was in our original campaign footage as we were raising money for this, footage of these kids working in the brick factory. And we're talking uh, they're moving wheelbarrows of, of sand and dirt and stuff. They're sitting there getting down on their haunches and forming bricks with their hands. And, and, and that's what they were spending And if they're the too little for that, there's pictures we've got of three-year-old children picking up a brick. Yeah. Takes two hands for one brick. Yeah. And putting yeah. another one up. That was their life. Yeah. And do you think anybody was paying attention to them? I mean, the, they were they were anonymous, they were unseen, and they were hopeless. Yeah. They had no future. Yeah. And, and generations had been doing this. Yeah. No future. Yeah. And now, not only are they going to school, and the pictures of them going to school and stuff are just delightful. I mean, when, the, when they first got there, the, just the grins on their faces. And we heard wonderful reports about how they didn't have a clue as to how to behave themselves in the classroom, and they're getting there. They're getting there uh, slowly, I'm told. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they go and they spend time in community with one another all day long, getting attention from these teachers who, by the way, the teachers were over the moon when they got these kids. Yes, into they were. I mean, these schools were empty for the most yeah. part. The government had built them, but then nobody would come because yeah. they were too busy working in the factories. So now the teachers are overjoyed. So they're just pouring into these kids all day. And now after school, they're getting, you said up to two hours every afternoon. Yeah. One to two hours. Yeah. Minimum uh, one hour a day. Minimum one hour a day receiving love, care, attention, uh, I mean, they are getting a taste of the kingdom every single day. Yeah, they really are, and and a future, Be- because of course one of the one of the questions we often received when we were raising money for this project was, uh, how are the kids going to succeed? Their parents don't know how to read or whatever because this is a generational yeah. thing, and this is how it's happening. This, this is, is after happening. school tutoring, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, oh, and the nourishing meal they're getting at school now. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, is lowering their parents' costs because that's you know they're not feeding them during the day. The school is. And it's. I mean, if that doesn't sound like fun to you, yeah, check your pulse. Come on, yeah, yeah, um, it's great. So, if people want to get involved in that, by the way, we're going to have that in our Christmas catalog this year. Yeah. Um, so really excited about that. Actually, just before I hit record on this, I, I saw that the first draft of the catalog has been the design has been uploaded. So I'm going to go check that out. Uh, if you didn't know, we do a Christmas catalog every year uh, where you can choose to give to 
all sorts of different things that we're doing. And Brick Kids is certainly one of them, uh, rescuing girls from the streets of Kampala uh, and uh, feeding the hungry, um, helping teens in crisis pregnancy, getting skills training for the poor, all these things. Are Water all filters. Water filters. Think absolutely. of all the thousands of filters. Oh, over years. Yeah. Uh, and... So anyway, if you have never received a catalog in the mail, that's because we don't have your mailing address. <laughs> so if you want to get us your mailing address, you could just, you know what, email it to me, podcast at impactnations.com, and we'll get you on the list so you can get a copy. It's really, it's a great catalog. This year we're expanding up to 20 pages uh, full of stories about lives that have been changed all over the world from these programs. I've so. also, over the years, heard a few different testimonies of, uh, of folks who have taken the catalog and it's almost like a tool for the gospel. Hmm. Like take it into work, and they say, "Look at this." That's cool. And uh, I remember when they went in, and, and one of the gals in at her office, they they said, "Let's buy a cow together." Because a few <laughs> years ago, we were doing a farm. Yeah, yeah. So you know what? That's another thing. If you would like to order a large collection to take into work or to take to your church or something like that. And we'll mention this again later on in the podcast in later episodes as well, but email me just podcast at impactnations.com. Say, Hey, I want 20, send them to this address and we'll make it happen. We're, we print thousands and thousands of them. So we certainly mail them out to everybody on our mailing list and you'll get emails as well. But the, you're right. The, the power of uh, being able to demonstrate what the gospel is all about is yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. We will, uh, every year through that catalog, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of lives get touched yeah. through that catalog. Yeah. Probably tens of thousands. Yeah. So, and this, we're this, the it. stories alone in there are marvelous just oh, to yeah. hear about these lives. It, sometimes it's, um, it's easy to talk numbers, you know, 862 children got freed or whatever. But when you stop and listen to the story of one child mm -hmm. and their, their back history and where they came from and, and what sort of hopelessness they were facing. And then one day somebody showed up and said, hey, you want to come to school? Yeah. Uh, when you read those stories, it's, it's yeah changes your perspective. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. It really does. So India was terrific. As I said, I got home. Did you, were you doing any, uh, any house church stuff there? No, out with them I all? didn't have. I, I I didn't even have time for that. Yeah. Uh, although I had uh, formally what we would think of as house church, but for example, Sunday night I showed them uh, some YouTube videos of this worship band I love, Common Hymnal, and uh, and it just kind of the guys went whoa, like they're amazing musicians, and it was like a whole other kind of worship. And then we ended up just talking and sharing sitting around a table for a long time yeah. and really sharing stuff about about the nature of the gospel yeah. and running it and and so that's house church yeah. it just it, it it wasn't at somebody's house at 7:30 on a tuesday <laughs> you know that that lesson that i i emphasized in that last book is that we in the west house church we think of a place and a time yeah. it isn't it's people yeah. it's people so yeah. uh, we drove by uh, one of their favorite places, the uh, KFC, Kingdom Fellowship <laughs> Center, drove yeah. by it twice. You know? <laughs> because, and that's, we laugh, but that's it. That's just life. So, uh, yeah, it was a great time. And uh, tomorrow morning, you and I go to uh, San Jose. Yeah. We're going to do our first, uh, first church restored weekend. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. And then I'm home for three days, and then it's Mexico City. Mexico City. And I'm going to be doing an impact weekend and with a whole new group of people. And uh, it was interesting because I uh, I talked to Carlos and Melita, mm -hmm. 
And I, I contacted our partner in Mexico City, and everybody's like, thinks it would be so cool for Mexicans to go down to Colombia in our January journey. <laughs> I said, Carlos, do you think we can handle that two languages? And he just laughed. Of course, it's easy. <laughs> so maybe we'll we start to be expanding yeah, other this bilingual Spanish journeys. Yeah, be amazing. And you and I get a chance to just dazzle people with our Spanish. My Spanish is really coming along. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Taco Bell. <laughs> can you top that? Um, so the, the yes, things are continue to be very exciting. Um, you know, we're really looking at a lot of justice issues right now. Yeah. Really a lot. And uh, you and I went down to near the border last month and discovered suddenly everything was shut down. And we talked to four different employees. Nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, so anyway, those are the things that are going on. And uh, I'm pretty encouraged. Yeah. Uh, we got a journey starting up in a few days in Kenya. Yeah, uh, a whole team of women are coming in to to absolutely change the future of many, many, many people. I guarantee you, they're going to go and they're going to share the gospel with women who yeah. work in the streets. Yeah, and they're going to introduce them to a life in Christ that does not involve selling their bodies in the dark of night uh, in the streets of Nakuru, but instead. Uh, Stepping into a hope and a future in Christ, uh, learning to run their own business and uh, help their children get into school and all these amazing things. So Isn't it amazing we get to do this stuff. It's pretty exciting. Hey, you know what I just thought of? Hmm. Um, I meant to say this. A lot of our journeys, many of our journeys, uh, are fairly big scale. Yeah. You know, there'll be 500 people show up in the. We've done a clinic, and then that night, 500 people show up, and maybe 200 come to Christ or whatever. Yeah. This. Bulgaria trip was smaller scale. We were in smaller little communities, but it gave us a lot more time to be in houses. Uh, we were, that's really what we were doing, much more than the open meetings. We did a few of those, but mainly we were in the houses. But we went into the quietest village we went to, um, Belizen, and it was really quiet. But then when I went around, I found out that we went there last year and there'd been there's a pastor and he's been working there for several years and he had 15 people in his church. Hmm. And um, after we came and did the journey, we were only there for a day, but we did the things we did and we did an outdoor meeting and there was a good turnout, I think, if I remember the village correctly. Anyway, I found out last week when we went back that after years, he had 15 people. Um, over the next month, he had 50 people. He baptized 40 people, and it's just like changed his church. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, we're used to sometimes hearing, oh, there's a Kenya member that we went in one place, and a year later, there's 2,000 people. But if you think of that village yeah. and the impact, and you think of, of that pastor and his family mm -hmm. pouring themselves out for years yeah. and to go from 15 to 50, yeah. um, and... Uh, and they're being discipled. So I, I, I just thought of that. So why do you think that happens? I mean, you've got a guy who's been working his took us off in that village as a pastor, and suddenly, you know, a bunch of foreigners show up and do the deal for a day. Yeah. And everything changes. Yeah. Why? Well, most of late, mostly, I don't know. Yeah. But I suspect one thing is in some of these villages, we're just an attraction, right? One partner said, we're the bait on the hook. Yeah. <laughs> but but that, that'll get people to come out, but that won't grow the church. Yeah. What happens is for a day, that community 
And I'll bet that community's not very big. 700 people, maybe. Mm. For a day, they see the kingdom of God. They don't hear a gospel saying, come to church. Mm -hmm. They see these people are giving us medicine. They're giving us clean water. They're giving us food. We do a lot of food packages. And at the same time, you know, my, my hip that's been hurting for two years doesn't hurt. My, my brother who couldn't see out of his left eye can see. In other words, they encounter in a big way. And I think that's why, you know, it's funny, even Randeep, who's closing in on a million. Um, I was in a meeting, I guess, two days ago, three days ago. And, uh, and he reiterated to somebody else that when we come, as big as they are, when we come, it's always like the afterburners go on. And why? I don't know. It's the grace of God that's, that's mm -hmm. on our lives. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, in November, there's a journey to Nepal. Yeah. What are the dates? 17th to the 29th. Let me tell you a little bit on the same theme. Yeah. Uh, you, you know that uh, oh, three and a half years ago or something, I went to Nepal after the earthquake. And, and we went into really remote villages, which is going to be part of this trip, part of its remote, part of it's in Kathmandu, the capital. But we went... And besides the fact that it's still the most beautiful scenery I've ever seen in my life. Um, but the same thing happened. We had a guy who had been there for nearly 20 years and he had 20 believers and he was dealing with witchcraft and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, it's small scale. Um, but when we left, he had a church with 60 believers. Well, Think if you were him working for 20 years and you just got 40 new believers, triple. Um, we encountered um, some amazing healing. There were a lot of witch doctors mm -hmm. praying against us. One of the witch doctors uh, came to Christ. He got healed and came to Christ. So, so that's, that's good. <laughs> um, oh, I'm being a little bit random and I'm jet lagged. I forgot to tell you, you know, we've shared the stories of you and I had one of our best days together at the uh, Sikh temple. Yeah. Well, not only has he asked us to come back, but he's networked and most of our uh, daily our daily locations for the, the march yeah. will be in different Sikh temples come all on. over the Punjab. <laughs> Isn't that good? I love it. Because he's telling everybody. So you got to love it. We go into a Sikh <laughs> temple, and yeah, they get about 350 of them get medicine, but over 300 get healed, and over 180 come to Christ, and instead of being threatened, the chief priest saying, this is great. Yeah. And he's telling everybody. Yeah. <laughs> the gospel's for everybody, you know. Indeed. They just don't know it. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, that's, the, that's some ramblings from uh, a severely jet-lagged man. So come to Nepal. Come play with us. Oh, it's a fantastic place. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Come on. Yeah, it's a, it, it is, it's just a remarkable, remarkable yeah. place. And we're going to, they're setting up stuff for Kathmandu to work with really, really 
people in res at risk, women at risk, and horribly disadvantaged. And then you've also got the other Nepal out in the country. Yeah, it's like two different worlds. Yeah. Remember the time that David and Cynthia, our partners in Nepal, were going down the river on an elephant, and there was an elephant charging, and they had to get out of the river. No, I haven't heard that before. And run because this elephant was charging at them. <laughs> Which is great. That's marvelous. I've been telling people, speaking of elephants, uh, one of the cool things is because Nepal is actually fairly close to the gospel, which yeah. they, uh, and we've we've struggled with that, and yeah, we've got an inroad this time. Yeah. Um, but one of the cool things is we have to get in as tourists, we, mm -hmm. you know, and to get in as tourists, what we need to put on our agenda is a jungle safari. Yeah. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, in addition to preaching the gospel and seeing people get healed and uh, just rescuing women from life of prostitution and stuff, you're also going to have to go and do a jungle safari. Oh, so it's, no. It's tough, I know. You're going to see elephants. You're going to yeah. see all kinds of incredible things. Yeah. Uh, I've got a great picture here of a, of a monkey on a motorcycle <laughs> that, I, that I got on, uh, I think I got it on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, this week it's yeah. all a fuzzy blur. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, oh, it was. Uh, it was Saturday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a great, great monkey on a motorcycle, which was <laughs> great. Um, so yeah, that'll be an, an, an addition, and that's incredible. And uh, Nepal is magical. That's why it's one of the now one of the tourist capitals of the world yeah. in Kathmandu. Sure, it's filled with Europeans, Americans, Australians because it's it's just stunning. Have you ever looked? at a 26,000 foot high mountain. Mm -hmm. And then there's Everest, which is 29, but uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's so green. And anyway, I'm starting to sound like a travel log, but um, <laughs> it, it would be a great journey to go yeah. on. Indeed. Well, come play with us. That's yep. all I got to say. Yep. Thanks for uh, giving us an update. You bet. And thanks to all those people who, uh, who were part of the Brick Kids, and I'm delighted to be able to tell you that today, that there's a, there's five teams that are in there every single day following up. Mm. So thanks for making that happen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, tune in again next week. I hope to have uh, Jeff and Sue Walker on the podcast. Uh, Sue heads up our uh, prophetic intercessory ministry, uh, overseeing all those incredible prayer warriors. Thank you to our prayer warriors who are around the world praying yeah. for the, what God is doing through Impact Nations. And then uh, her husband, Jeff, uh, is the chairman of Impact Nations Australia. He just got back from the Philippines where I'm telling I. I can't wait to tell, have him tell you about some of the just incredible jaw-dropping numbers of, of those yeah. who are getting clean water in the Philippines right now. So tune in next week for sure. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Have a great week. Thanks. <laughs>